Chapter Twenty Nine of As We Forgive Them by William LeCue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter Twenty Nine, in which a strange tale is told. I suppose it is only just that you should know the truth, although a most strenuous effort has been made to keep it from you. The monk remarked as though to himself, "Well, it is this." you as a protestant probably know that the treasures in the vatican and rome are the greatest in the world and also that each pope on his jubilee or other notable anniversary receives a vast number of presents while the church of st peter's itself is constantly in receipt of quantities of ornaments and jewels as votive offerings these are preserved in the treasury of the vatican and constitute a collection of wealth unequalled by all the millions of modern millionaires well in the early part of eighteen seventy pope pius the ninth received through the marvellous diplomatic channels our holy church possesses secret information that it was the intention of the italian troops to bombard and enter rome and sack the palace of the vatican his holiness confided his fears to his favourite the great cardinal sanini the treasurer-general who having lived in this district when a peasant lad was aware of the existence of this safe hiding-place he therefore succeeded during the months of june july and august eighteen seventy in secretly removing a vast quantity of the vatican treasure from rome and storing it in this place in order to save it from the enemy's hands true to the fears of his holiness on september twenty the italian troops after a five days bombardment entered rome but fortunately no serious attack was made upon the vatican while the treasure removed has remained here ever since cardinal sanini was it appears a traitor to the church for although he induced pio nono to allow the treasure to be removed in secret he never told him the exact spot where it was concealed and curiously enough the two members of the swiss guard who had assisted the cardinal and alone knew the secret both disappeared in all probably i believe precipitated into that subterranean river we have just crossed Originally the small entrance to these galleries was only hidden by brambles, but directly after the treasure had been safely secreted, His Eminence the Cardinal suddenly discovered that the spot on the cliffside was well adapted for a hermitage, and he built the present hut over the small opening in the rock in order to conceal it, having first closed the hole with his own hands so that the stonemasons should not discover the entrance. For many months, during the struggle between the Italian government and the Holy Say, he doffed the purple and lived in the cell a hermit, but in reality guarding the enormous treasure he had so cleverly secured. But as you know, he was captured by the terrible Poldo Penzi dreaded down in Calabria, and was compelled in order to save his life and reputation to betray the existence of his hoard. Upon this, Penzi came here in secret, saw the treasure, but being extremely superstitious as are all his class he dare not touch one single object a man who had once served in his band and who had entered our monastery a certain fra orazio he sought out and to him gave the hermitage without however telling him of the secret tunnel and caves beneath both sanini and the pope died but fra orazio in ignorance of the fact that he resided over a veritable mine of wealth continued here sixteen years until he died and i succeeded him in the occupancy of the cell spending nearly six months each year here in meditation and prayer 
In the meantime, however, the secret of his eminence inscribed in the secret cipher used by the Vatican in the seventeenth century seems to have passed through Poldo Penzi into the hands of Bert Blair, his shipmate and intimate friend. The first I knew of it was about five years ago, when one day my peace was disturbed by a visit from two Englishmen, Blair and Dawson. They told me a story of the secret being given to them, but at first I would not believe that there was any truth in the hidden hoard. We, however, investigated, and after a very long, difficult and perilous search, we succeeded in revealing the truth. Then Dawson shared in the secret, as well as in the profits, I remarked, astounded at the amazing truth. Yes, the three of us alone knew the secret, and it was then mutually arranged that, it having been given by the repentant brigand de Blair, he was entitled to the greater share, while Dawson, to whom Penzi had apparently spoken before his death concerning the treasure, and who had been in possession of certain facts, should be allotted one quarter of the annual outtake, and to myself appointed guardian of the treasure-house, one-eighth to be paid, not to myself direct, as that would arouse suspicion, but by Blair's bankers in London to the vicar-general of the Order of the Capuchins at Rome. Through five years this arrangement has been carried out. Once every six months we entered this chamber in company, and selected a certain amount of gems or other articles of value which were sent by certain channels, the gems to Amsterdam for sale, and the other articles to the great auction rooms of Paris, Brussels, and London, and others into the hands of renowned dealers in antiques. As you may see for yourself, this collection of gems is almost inexhaustible. Three rubies alone fetched sixty-five thousand pounds in Paris last year, while some of the emeralds have realized enormous sums yet so ingeniously did the signore dawson and blair arrange the channels by which they were placed upon the market that none ever guessed the truth but all this is strictly speaking the property of the church of rome remarked reggie no answered the big monk in his broken english according to cardinal sanini his holiness after the peace with italy made a free gift to him of the whole of it as a mark of regard and knowing, too, that with Rome and the occupation of the Italian troops, it would be difficult to get the great collection of jewels back again into the treasury without exciting suspicion. "'Then all this is mine?' I exclaimed, even then unable to fully realize the truth. "'All,' answered the monk, "'except the share to me, or rather to my order for distribution to the poor, as payment for its guardianship, and that to Signor Dawson, with, I suppose,' and he turned towards Reggie, some acknowledgment to your friend. I warned you against him once, he added, but it was owing to what Dawson told me, lies. I have already pledged myself to continue to act towards your order as Burton Blair has done, I replied. As to Dawson, that is another matter, but certainly my friend Seaton here will not be forgotten, nor you personally, as the faithful holder of the secret. Any reward of mine goes to my order, was the manly fellow's quiet reply. We are forbidden to possess money, our small personal wants being supplied by the Father Superior, and of this world's riches we desire none save that necessary to relieve the poor and afflicted. You shall have some for that purpose, never fear, I laughed. Then, as the air exhausted by the lights seemed to grow more foul, we decided to return to the cell so cunningly constructed at the mouth of the narrow outer gallery. We had reached the brink of that terrible abyss where the black flood roared deep below, 
and I had passed over the narrow handbridge and gained the opposite side safely, when, without warning, a pair of strong hands seized me in the darkness, and almost ere I could utter a cry I was forced backwards to the edge of the awful chasm. The hands held me in an iron grip by the throat and arm, and so suddenly had I been seized that for the first instant I believed it to be a joke on Reggie's part, for he was fond of horseplay when in jubilant spirits. "'My God!' I, however, heard him cry a second later, as I suppose the flickering lamplight fell upon my assailant's countenance. "'Why, it's Dawson!' Knowledge of the terrible truth that I had been seized by my worst enemy, who had followed us in, well knowing the place, aroused within me a superhuman strength, and I grappled with the fellow in a fierce death struggle. Ere my two companions could reach and rescue me, we were swaying to and fro in the darkness, on the very edge of the abyss into which it was his intention to hurl me to the same death that the two Swiss guards had probably been consigned by the wily cardinal. I realized his murderous intention none too quickly, for with a fierce oath he panted, "'You shan't escape now. That blow in the fog didn't have the desired effect. But once down there you'll never intrude again upon my affairs. Down you go!' I felt my strength fail me as he forced me back still further, locked in his deadly embrace. In the darkness one of my companions gripped me and saved me, but at that instant I had recourse to an old charter-house trick, and twisting suddenly so that my opponent stood in my place, I tripped him backwards at the same moment slipping from his grasp. It was the work of a second. In the uncertain glimmer from the lamp I saw him stumble, clutch wildly at the air, and with an awful cry of rage and despair he fell backwards down into the Stygian blackness where the rushing waters swept him down to subterranean regions, unknown and unexplored. My escape from death was assuredly the narrowest man had ever had, and I stood panting, breathless, bewildered, until Reggie took me by the arm and led me forward in silence more impressive than any words. End of chapter 29 Recording by Tom Weiss Tom's audiobooks dot com.